0: The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Members of Navy Federal can enjoy a hassle-free car buying experience. You can learn all about this at NavyFederal.org. If you look at my resume, man, it looks really good. But what you don't
1: see is in between every one of those great bullets is a bunch of failure and a bunch of hardship, obstacle after obstacle. But, you know, the difference is those aren't my bullets. Those obstacles and those failures aren't my defining moments. It's everything that comes after that that you grow from.
3: This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up,
0: buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening, watching, viewing, and please go hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today we are going to throw it back to an older episode of ours a rebroadcast of one of our very good friends, Aaron Kendall, who happens to have one of the craziest, most outrageous, and kind of funny and disturbing stories all mixed into one. Just whenever you think the story is finished, it just keeps building and getting better and crazier, and you are going to want to keep into this one till the very end, I promise you that. So, with that being said, let's get to it.
2: Morgan, I got, a, I got one for you this morning. Uh, let's do a movie quote.
3: Send it. I'm, I'm, I'm always prepared. All right. I can't be got. Here's a quote. Let off some steam. Let off some steam. That is from Commando. After Arnie threw that pipe through Bennett, stuck him in the wall, and the steam was coming out of the pipe, he looked at him and said, let off some steam, Bennett. that, that right? Hey man, if we ever caught any of our guys walking around on a chainmail wife beater, that's what he's wearing. Oh, gosh. Oh, watch the movie again. Oh, really? For all. Oh. If anybody had not seen Commando in a while, watch it again. <laughs> it is so terribly awesome. It's like the best movie ever made. But, yeah, chainmail wife beater with a, literally a dog leash. Right, around his neck. Around his neck. I don't know if that dude still (laughs) He had a weightlifting glove, right? Yeah. And (laughs) and, and his run was worse than Seagal's, which Mm. is probably the most horrific run ever. (laughs) Yeah. Almost as bad as Phoebe's off of Friends. (laughs) It's pretty bad. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) I forgot about Phoebe. Oh, Phoebe. I remember Seagal's run, though. Smelly Cat. Yeah. Smelly Cat. Yeah, but his was bad. He actually, like, Seagal Sensei. He's a, he's a police now. He doesn't have to run anywhere. Chase him down in a car. He's still <laughs> you ever about, watch that Lawman? No. Law, lawman? Steven <laughs> Yeah, that lawman? Was really terrible as well. I loved his movies, man. His Back movies In were that great. 90s genre, we had, because what was the 80s? It was Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. And, Van Damage. Yeah, Van Bruce Dam- Willis wasn't in the 80s. He was in the 90s. Die Hard opened him up to be that. Like the right, but then that, that was late 80s and early 90s, man, is when that kind of art genre movies kicked off and... Yeah, 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 the martial arts Yeah Seagal. Jeff Spiegman is a perfect weapon Van damage Which Van Dam's still a badass in my book He is man I, I I still fits the part. He does dude did you see when he uh did the splits in between those two Volvo trucks? Yeah, because then then Chuck Norris did it on two airplanes. You're kidding me. You didn't see that? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> you see that? Yeah. Yeah, so he, so Van Damme did that, and then Ch- of course Chuck had to one up him. So there was two seven forty sevens flying through the air, and there's a picture of him on the one tips of each of the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody outdoes Chuck, oh, man. dude freaking Chuck, we love you, man. Yeah, like that. I ran into. Yeah, that. there, just right they look. Then he's got. Oh, I didn't even see the ones with people on his head. <laughs> Is that Seal Team on top of him? <laughs> It is. Oh man! Man.
2: All right, guys. Patreon question today comes from our friend Kathleen, one of our teammates. Uh, She asked, "What is one of your favorite foods on the East Coast?" On the East Coast, crab. Crab. Yeah. You got a specific restaurant you like it, bro? Uh, Uh, which
3: one did I hit up the other day with some dear friends of mine? Oh, actually, no. They made it at the house, and they have this. They took Old Bay and, and apple cider vinegar and made this dipping sauce, bro. I mean, in, in my opinion, the 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 blue crabs are harder to eat than crawfish, and you got to work more at it because you got to take the key off. And then you to, don't eat the lungs, by the way. They didn't. I think they they hooked the Southern boy up. And let me eat the lungs, but <laughs> <laughs> mine was ho- cooked at home. Um, they cooked them, they boiled them, and then they put them in this brown paper bag and let them steam, and then they made that apple cider vinegar with that old bay. Bro, I must have tell you it. what, man, we had an old boy the other day come over and cook some crawfish, uh, and he, he remember I mean, he did it differently than we had all because normally you've been them cooking and, crawfish for twenty something years, man, and this old boy shows up at the house to cook some crawfish for one of the front one of our parties, and did it completely opposite the way we do it, yeah. and it was good. He he goes he goes he gets his water up to a roll, and is going to dump the bugs in, and I was like, hey man. We like our spices. Like, I was waiting for somebody to say something. He's like, "Y'all trust me?" It's like, "Yeah." He cooks. He, he throws the bugs into the boiling water, and it simmers. And as soon as it comes back up to a roll, he dumps them out into the cooler, and then puts the seasoning on top of them. Shuts the cooler for fifteen minutes. Best bugs I've ever had. They looked hot. Clean it and the cleanup no, was it, easy. Man, it's just, normally as we soak them, we soak put soak ice them in and, them, and all that kind of yeah, thing. Tons of ingredients. He just sprinkled. his steamed them. Meat came right out of the shell. It was. He's like, I've been. He's. Hey, he spent a couple years down in Louisiana. Yeah, some yeah. Somebody taught him how to some do it. Some old timer on the Bayou. Yeah. Cage, and it was. man. They were good. That's how we do them now. Yeah. Um, for all our listeners out there, we don't spend forty-five minutes seasoning the water. <laughs> yeah, because you know, the way it works. That's a great part about being an American. So if you, you know, if you go to Italy, man, and all the families are old and they have their, their lasagna recipe. It's been in the family. You can't mess with that. The beautiful thing about being an American, dude, is it's a melting pot of every kind of culture, tradition, and background. So you can change. You have literally permission to change up your recipes. And when we find something that, I mean, we think, you know, it tastes good and, and it works well and kind of like this is the way we do it and that's it. Then we tweak it a little bit. Man. Yeah. Put some ranch dressing on it. Right. And then that's your go-to fail safe right there. But it. If, uh, or, bacon. or bacon. Bacon and ranch. Something new comes along, man. Don't ever be afraid to upgrade.
2: Thanks for the question. Uh, we really appreciate it, Kathleen.
3: Yes, ma'am. Thank you.
2: Let's get into a listener story today, which is brought to you by Fred, and uh, Marcus will bring that to us. Let me start off by saying thank you to all of y'all for everything. My story starts on June
3: 1st, 2018. Due to a bad set of events, a friend of mine ended up passing away by his own hand. Afterwards, I realized something wasn't right with me mentally, so I told my chief about what was going on. He sent me to be evaluated, and I had two or three different acronyms thrown at me and a bunch of people saying it's understandable given what happened, so I was discharged from the Navy. Over the past year, I've tried to make sense and deal with the crap. Not just from those events, but from being discharged in and of itself. After coming home, I fell into this state of, is my biggest purpose over? It took some people who were close to me to get me back to reality, and I have to give them some props. Without them, I'd be in a pine box. Now I'm putting what I've learned into the Navy and to pursuing my nursing degree from John Hopkins. I listen to you guys at least once a day. Y'all can get me motivated when I start sliding back into my pile of bullshit. For my brothers, my friends, my family, and for the country, I have to be the best. I will not quit because I have amazing friends who help me get back up when I get down. Fred, thanks for writing in, brother. And um, we all go through those kind of those moments in our life that that kind of shift us in a different direction, and, that, and that's okay. In the beginning, sometimes you don't understand why it's happening, but just. Know that, you know, God has a plan for everybody and, and it's, it's not yours, it's his. And sometimes when we get shifted over and, and, and we're not ready, it, it, uh you know, it causes a lot of grief and, and uh, uncertainty on us. But just keep leaning on your friends when you need them. Uh, lean to the Lord and never, never doubt yourself, man. You said it, you got to be the best you can be and never quit. So thanks for writing in, Fred. Do you love the TNQ podcast? Make sure you subscribe to get notified about our latest episode each week. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including Tim Ballard, Laura Logan, and Diana Nyad. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Join us at Patreon.
2: Yeah, guys. There's David, Reagan, Kyle, Rebecca, Beth, Michelle, and many more who've joined us on Patreon to get access to behind-the-scenes content, access to the Patreon community, and they get rare access to Morgan, Marks, and all of our incredible guests. If you want to be a part of our team and join that so you can get all that access, help us keep putting these shows out, join us at patreon.com slash teamneverquit.
3: All right, let's get into today's show. So we're joined today by one of my best friends... He was one of my groomsmen. We go back. And vice versa. And vice versa. That's right, vice versa. Aaron Kendall. Actually his wife was calling him by his first name yesterday and I was like, Who the hell are you talking about? She's like, Kendall. I was like, Oh, I forgot his name was Aaron. Yeah, people in San Antonio. Oh, it's A A Ron. A A-A-Ron. Aaron. I actually have your last name misspelled in my phone. Still A. Ron, are you here? I
1: think everybody does.
3: <laughs> so it was, again, never quit story, but um, so for everybody out there, we're talking to uh, Aaron Kendall, who is former right. team guy, retired team guy. He's got the sexiest half arm on the planet, <laughs> which we got to get into that story because it's literally the like greatest the, story yeah, in naval it's cool. special warfare, like one of those warfare, like one of those warfare. you actually did that to yourself and then <laughs> it sounded made you up back to the house. Yeah, so his, <laughs> yeah, so one of his best stories because, like I said, we've known him forever. One of the best stories he's got is when when it didn't even happen at work. Yeah, you guys need me with two hands. Gut-riching, yeah. There's going to be a lot of one-handed jokes in here tonight. Yeah, and if you, hey, Those look, while sure we're going me. through this, if you need a hand with anything, just let us know. We'll, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll make sure that, yeah, we'll, we'll give you, yeah, we'll help Always. you out. Right <laughs> we're pretty handy around here, so. So before we jump into the nitty-gritty of the Never Quit story, um, give us some background on where you're from. And, uh, because, all right, so, in really, so what we like to do is we like to put everything on relative terms because the listeners out there, especially with the team guys, they think that team guys are kind of like born out of this certain genotype. And we like to express to our, our listeners that, hey, we come from everywhere, every walk of life, and that every one of our stories are different. So anything that we've been involved in or our never-quit stories, we're just kind of an, an average human being that was put in an extra, or extraordinary situation. So let's kick this bad boy off and give a little background on Kendall.
1: I mean, so I started working out when I was about two years old, training.
3: Most people don't do that. why'd you wait so long
1: <laughs> i'm uh I was a little slow, but no, my childhood, everything in my life was pretty normal. I came from a military family. I've got a long history of military, from my parents, kind of in the Vietnam era to my grandfather on both sides in World War two uh to my great-grandfather in world war one so that's
3: awesome man thanks for yeah no i mean um carrying the torch american warrior class
1: <laughs> sort of was i mean i guess that was my grandfather definitely would have been a, a big influencer on me for that but i grew up normal into sports i played everything Started
3: where are you off from originally
1: manassas virginia yeah, nobody knows where that is. Yeah, it's just outside of D.C., a little small town. Shout out to Manassas. nasty.
3: <laughs> my people's nasty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Some people might say Manasshole, but uh, no, I love it. It's growing. It's a, it's a small town it's back sweet then. But... <laughs> it's growing now, but uh, I was born in the Philippines. My parents were both active duty, Civic Bay Naval Base. Both in the Navy? They both were. My dad Your was in the was Marine Jack, Corps. Right? Yeah, my dad was in the Marine Corps, joined up in Vietnam, and then um, ended up getting a commissioning and going over to the Navy was just a line officer for a number of years but my mom yeah she was a jag lawyer she stayed in retired as a captain um my stepdad he's also a 20-year f-14 guy uh so oh, cool I just, 14
3: huh? yeah top gunner that's right he went to top gun what's his, actually. Call, what's his call sign smoke what's that stand for because <laughs> you know what I'll it's always not cool. Yeah. Bill, Sounds what does, cool
1: bill what does that stand for <laughs> normal childhood sports school i don't think i was much of a student I mean, I just got by. Uh, My parents divorced when I was young. I think I was seven years old. So I grew up with my dad and my brother there in Manassas. Uh, My dad worked out of D.C. as a civilian most of my life. He actually worked for the JAG Corps up in Navy Washington Yard. So I grew up going to base and meeting guys and always seeing guys in uniform. But like I said, I never really had that drive. I never thought about the military being my thing. I ended up finding my niche in swimming. I was a great swimmer. I grew up top in the state of virginia and breaststroke and stuff but it wasn't until i graduated high school barely i think i graduated like at 1.2 and uh my dad was old school he always has this rule of you know either have a job be going to school or get out of the house obviously i was living at home still so i was going to community college signed up there figured i'd still swim community college and then end up transferring somewhere still and During this time, I think I started thinking, you know, what's my backup plan? I started looking at the SEALs. I met a SEAL that worked at the Navy Washington Yard, and he gave me one of these books. I can't even remember which one it was. It talked a little bit about each Special Forces training. The commander. Yeah, I think that was it. Yep. So I read that, and it kind of piqued my interest in the SEAL thing. Obviously, I was comfortable in the water. And I was going to school, reading all these SEAL books, which immediately made me an expert at all things SEAL-related.
3: But... The fuck was that? Did you hear that? Yeah. Was, what was that? Settle down, buddy. <laughs> Is that him? <laughs> fucking Quato trying to come out of his belly over here. Did you get that on? Uh, he ordered did the special? I don't know. Oh, God, I'm that about, was loud. I hey, what did out. he
1: get? The special?
3: <laughs> 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 Check, please.
1: Uh, All right. Uh, sorry, bro. Yeah, anyway, anyway got it. Yeah, loud. so um, mm-hmm. I was still super mature. I I didn't even finish the semester before I was finally like, hey, partying with my friends. All right,
3: friends. so people know, man, the, you're you're highly intelligent. Your grades obviously don't reflect your what's really going on. So yeah, I, just just, I was just I was just in an immature point in my life. Through, yeah, right. I just needed to mature,
1: yeah. and so I dropped my classes. Was still living at home. My dad came home. Back in those days, he didn't need a password and ID to figure out everything. He just he knew my social, my date of birth, and he looked on. He came home that day, asked me how school was going. So it's going I li- great. I lied. <laughs> I did. I lied. I said, it's great. And he said, great like you got all A's or great like you dropped all your classes and haven't told me yet. So I knew I was F'd right there. So are you, so, you giving
3: me an A and B option here? Yeah.
1: Or, uh... But he made it. He said, what's next? You're about to be gone. And I said, I'm joining the Navy. He was like, bullshit. You quit everything you do. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. I want to be a SEAL. So he supported me. I went, enlisted and uh, chose to be a medic. Waited nine months to get in and off to boot camp, I went.
3: I forgot you were a corpsman.
1: Yeah. What year did you jump in? I came in in 2003. Oh, yeah. Right at the time. Old school, back when core school was still at Great Lakes.
3: It's right. in San Antonio now. Yeah. Oh, you had to go to core school? Yeah. I didn't. I was a striker. Oh, were you? Yeah. I wanted, uh, So I. that was the fastest way to get to Buds. Yeah. Come to find out, it's the longest way to get to the SEAL teams. Because <laughs> the guys I graduated with had their tridents, and had already been on a deployment and come back, and I, I was still in the in the pipeline. Yeah. I mean, I was three and a half years before I got to my team because I was SDV and then you know, con school and all kinds of stuff. In I world. mean, I think that's
1: the medic way because I didn't – I mean, maybe after Buds, I remember, like, third phase, you know, we'd pretty much made it, and they're calling out getting everybody orders. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just went alphabetically, you know, and they're like, <laughs> you know, so-and-so, team four, so-and-so, team seven, and all of a sudden, like, my name got skipped. Fade I was well. like – I'm like, what's going on here? I'm starting to sweat. Like, dude, what happened? And then, of course, I realized other guys' names weren't called either. And they were like, hey, if your name wasn't called, you're a medic, you're going to 18 Delta. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is 18 Delta? <laughs> I just thought, when I chose a job, I just chose it because I was like, man, I grew up as a lifeguard. I got yeah, like, CPR, I can be a medic. All <laughs> <I
2: know>, right. <laughs> Not realizing it's one of the hardest schools in the military. Yeah. Oh, that, was a, that was a kicking So, in the for the heart. listeners out there who don't know what 18 Delta is, what is that?
1: Well, I guess uh so eighteen Delta is what the SEAL medics used to go through. Now we, they've started their own program now, I think. They have their own medical course. So the way it
3: works with the, the in the in the Green Berets their their source ratings are, are identified by uh letter A Number codes. and a letter, yeah. Yeah, a number and a letter. All right. In the SEAL teams, you got your source code, which is where fifty three twenty six So if you see that number fifty three twenty six like on the Mustang, in the Navy everything is, has a number tacked to it, right? That's your identification number. Well SEALs is fifty three twenty six. And then if as you're if you're a medic, then you're a fifty-three twenty-six and then eighty-four ninety one, right? And then if you're an SDV guy, it's fifty-three twenty-three. So you can just stack these numbers up. And the way it works in the with the Green Berets is as they're going through their pipeline, their selection course, right? When they make it through so their bud's part of it, then they go to their their qualification training. So if they're a medic, a calm guy, a, an explosive guy, officers or alphas. Then you got uh, bravos. So eighteen series denotes special, special forces. Special forces yes. Okay, and then after that, if it has an A, B, C, D behind it, that tells you what he is, what he, what his job description is. So if they're eighteen deltas, and that means that they're the medic. SEALs don't go through regular, people would ask me, I was like, I'm in the Navy and like you're a, I was a medic. Like, oh, so you, you're a corpsman, you went to corps school. I was like, no, I, I didn't do that. I went from Buds straight to 18 Delta. And it's also, you have the PJs, the Air Force, special forces are there. The Rangers, special forces, everybody goes there. It's the most high end medical school you, you can go to. In the military. In the military. And, uh, it's the longest route so when you, when you hear that, or if you hear any special forces guys talking and they're like, oh, I was SF and they're like, well, what would you do? And they'll say, well, I was a golf or a Bravo or a Delta or a Charlie or something like that. So, I, so yeah, went through Delta school. How'd you do? <laughs> I passed. Well, there you go. <laughs> got that doctorate degree. 75 and a snowflake, right? That's right. Or 74 and a
1: snowflake. <laughs> All
3: right. So Delta and then, then, then into the teams.
1: Yep. And I, uh, I got my orders. I chose to go back to the West coast, um, picking my orders for SEAL Team 7 and showed back up there kind of right in the middle of the workup.
3: Did, did you get your orders out of SD uh, muster at, S, at, at 18 Delta? I
1: did get my orders at 18 Delta, yeah.
3: I remember that morning, man, we mustered up down there and they were reading there, but it was just us, right? Because yeah. maybe some of the Ranger guys, but they started going down the list too. <clears throat> they got to my name. They're like, Trell, where do you think you're going? And I was like, uh, three? And they're like, try again. I was like, Five. You know, I started going down the numbers. I want to go West Coast too, and they were like, "Nope, it's three letters." And I was like, "Dev Group."
1: <laughs> I'll be honest. I was. I would have been happy with any orders out of there as fast as yeah, possible because right. I, I ended end up not. getting it. I got into some trouble with the law when I was on rotations. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Last month, you, where'd you go do your rotation at?
1: In uh, Jacksonville,
3: Florida. Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I gotten arrested down there, all right? Like two days before we left. Of course. And Of course, I came back up there, and just the guy, the other SEALs I knew knew. And I was like, "Dude, I can't. We can't tell anybody. They'll kick me out of here. We're a week away from graduating.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't say a word. Typical SEAL story. Because it's still it's still a selection course for the uh, for the special force guys. So it's like we're they drop us into a portion of their SEAL their yeah. buds training, right? And I mean, they're trying to get those guys out of there. With us, man, we we made it through the pro the pipeline, and they need us to become medics so we can go back, right? but it's still i mean i i got my ass kicked in that class well plus it's the army i don't think you like, yeah, it's yeah, dang, man. They don't like <laughs> it anyway man around midnight i hear that knock on the door being in there study and instructor's like get out i still get wet sandy all that stuff man it was a a joy
1: yeah so i mean i did uh went to seal team 7 i did my first platoon there beautiful southeast asia which was awesome i mean i think at first everybody was a little bitter cuz i think you know iraq was going everybody wanted to be in iraq but we were the we were the troop that got stuck to Southeast Asia I think I was bitter about that for a while but looking back now that was like one of the best fun right <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was, I wish I could I wish I would have like, enjoyed myself more but um, came back from that ended up going to sniper school of course I wanted to be a breacher my platoon chief said what do you want to do I said I want to go to breacher school he said you're going to be a sniper huh, good
3: going to sniper school
1: which was awesome the opposite uh, yeah. no, in, in
3: the teams you don't, those, that's like crossing the streams yeah. you get every qual you want but if, if you're a breacher then you stay that if you're a sniper yeah. then you stay that
1: uh, sniper School was awesome though. Uh, there were two guys from Dev Group in there. One guy was Colin Thomas, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore. He got killed a few years later. But I mean, he was an awesome guy. And the other is sniper partner as well. I won't use names, but that was like the first time I got like a glimpse of like, where are you guys at? This looks awesome, and you guys are awesome. And they were just they treated us great, and that kind of sparked my ambition to go to Dev Group. Uh, I came back from sniper school, and they were still doing augments. So when the squadrons would deploy, they would take medics and guys like that. And I was obviously a medic, which was great. So I volunteered. I got permission and got to go over there. Uh, I did a deployment with them to Afghanistan, which was amazing. And came back from that, and that kind of solidified it for me. I knew I wanted to screen. I was doing my second deployment at a 7 to Iraq. And I screened right before that in that period, I came back, did the whole screening process, deployed with Team 7, uh, came back, and I ended up getting picked up. So for
3: for people who aren't familiar with, with the way that one works either, this is, the SEAL teams, are it's a volunteer force, double volunteer, right? And then dev groups, triple volunteer force. So you volunteer for the Navy, then you volunteer for Naval Special Warfare, and then you go through BUDS, and then... Uh, sqt then you get to your team and then you you do work up and stuff like that and then as you're doing that if if you want to screen for dead group or SEAL team six there's another selection process so you you, just like when you screen for buds you got to do the push-ups pull-ups swims run all that stuff like that and then afterwards there's a another program called green team which is the it's like buds right it's but for team guys and it sucks right
1: yeah i mean it's it's just it's just a different kind of tough it's
3: right Mental and skill, yeah. Because you're get getting evaluated, your you're already a team guy. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... So you got over to the squadrons, did some time over to squadrons. I'm gonna I'm gonna push you through this one. Yeah,
1: I mean, a couple of deployments there, and then uh, ended up finishing my time on the West Coast, uh, teaching skydiving. we in the sky, gotten all things jumping there. I forgot Denver. you were doing that. And then I was the chief of the air cell on the West Coast. Uh, handful of guys in there, and we put all the SEAL teams through the air portion of their workup, which was an awesome job. I started going back to school there. We can, I'm sure we're going to get into all this. Uh, got into the nonprofit world, and
3: yeah, we'll get back to that. So, for, for, so for, for everyone out there, so what you've done already is you, you enlisted in, went through the SEAL teams, did time on the West Coast, went over across the street to uh, Damn Neck, did, did your time over there, and then now let's get into your into the never quit story about your about your arm.
1: Morgan and I, shit, we live together.
3: Yeah, that's actually.
1: Bates how i met you guys was through a good buddy of mine going through green team met a bunch of great guys one of my best friends being john Tomlinson, jt and was blessed to be introduced to all you guys going through because it's tough coming from the west coast you know We when you come from the west coast here i didn't i knew a handful of guys in the east coast but your TAD order is you're living in the barracks so it wasn't until we finished and it was like where are we gonna live you know jt was like hey morgan's on deployment you should just crash this (laughs) house that's (laughs) how i got to do i was like hey we got a new roommate and i was like all right cool (laughs) he's like morgan said it was cool but um obviously leading up to like one of my things a big event in my life that kind of started some never quit stuff was you know august 6 2011 um i was at the squadron we were deployed same squadron what's that
3: same squadron as JT.
1: Yeah, we were same squadron. We were lucky enough and different troops. I was at an out station down in Kandahar. These guys were one of the two troop was all together and um, I can remember the, the night we came back in from an op, do our usual, you know, debrief, after action reports, send everything up, have a quick cocktail and I went, I went to my room and I just changed and laid down and my team leader I hear just bang on the door. Of course I'm like, What? So I answer the door and he's like, Get into the jock here, it's just a small one. We walk in on the TV, it's just this fiery crash, you know, and you're just kinda like, What's going on? And then he it just like it just it just happened. Obviously those guys were all on one helo, if you don't know, and the helo ended up getting shot down as they were coming in to land, um, on an op and we lost an entire troop. You know, I think there's 31 guys total, 25 of ours. Um, you're just watching it. You know, it's kind of surreal. Like you don't, you don't even know how to react. Like yeah. It's not real. It's just like watching on TV. It is like watching on TV. It's right? like watching a movie. Like you're kind of emotionless. Uh, you're like,
3: turn your gut. You're like, who was on that? Uh, and, and we knew.
1: You know, and we knew everybody like, was on there, and you know you're looking i mean i'm at i'm looking at my teammate and i'm at we're asking questions that we don't know the answer to and we're just you know obviously the rest of this squadron all over the world was started communicating very quickly and talking and like i said it was just it was terrible so i think those emotions start to come slowly and you just kind of don't know what to do um that was a big. It took me years to realize how big of an impact that had on my life. I think I'm still to this day. But, you know, seeing those guys and having your best friends go. I mean, JT, we moved out and JT bought a house and we lived together. And
3: so, you want to explain what happened, what, what we're talking about when it when it comes to that, what the the details on it? It was a helicopter went down with a bunch of our buddies on it. Yeah, Chinook of-
1: went down with an entire troop, a third of our
3: squadron. So there's a tick going on, right? There's a yeah.
1: Rangers t- were in there. Rangers were in contact. I, I mean, I don't know the. I mean, I just know that I think they, some guy squirted. I think the the guy we were going after. I think they 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 saw him leave and they knew where he's going. And so our guys launched to kind of, come in for backup and, and, go for it. And they were just
3: set up ready. I
1: I mean from the story, I mean it's just one of those. Lucky is not a good word to use. It's a shitty word, but that's kind of just what happened. I guess some dude stepped out in the dark at night with an RPG and fired it off and ended up hitting the rear rotor and you know those guys were a couple hundred feet up still coming in It just dropped it dropped it out of the sky obviously was, I
3: mean that shot right nobody yeah. walks away from a helicopter nobody crash. walked
1: away I mean it was yeah I mean uh, you got airplane fuel explosives all that stuff I mean the Rangers were awesome they, they broke contact and like humped all night like running secured the crash they were on target for like two or three days getting stuff off of there Bodies, everything, you know. We met, After that, we met... Obviously, we flew into where they were at. There was a big ceremony in Bagram, and then we had to fly to their, to their base and pack up all their stuff. You know, like, nobody was left to do that. So, which is just a freaky thing. You know, you walk in, and you're walking into your buddy's room that's set up like he just walked out. Right. You know, computers are still open, and beds are... You know, everything's just... Uh, as they like, left it to go walk and do the op as we all do expecting to come back i suppose you know maybe but it was just you know it's tough and we all i remember during that time they set a bunch of psychs out chaplains and stuff obviously to talk with us which i don't think anybody used you mm-hmm. know at that time i if there's one thing i think we're good at it's just stuffing emotion down the yeah it's yeah, you know, huh. just shutting that lid is like packing that suitcase and stepping on it and closing that it as
3: fuel right Turn it yeah little...
1: it's yeah that's one use for it i get in a good way but um i mean shoot i remember being there i don't think i showered for like a week we were up there just i don't think i was sober for a week and uh-huh. i remember one of the guys walked in the room i was laying on one of the guys beds and i remember he started like dry heaving he was like it smells like somebody just threw up in here <laughs> i did And i was like home. dude i just took my shoes off i'm sorry like i think that finally motivated me to shower but uh you know you pick up and you carry on and we stayed overseas there and um so we you know obviously we weren't home for the funerals and stuff like that you come home and you just you have each other you know the guys that you guys and the guys that all know that part of it but there wasn't a whole lot of talking about it and i think unfortunately i think shoving that much in that container for me at one time kind of kind of cracked it And those kind of emotions, to be honest, they become toxic over time. Like I just uh, not talking about it. Um, Over the next three and a half years, I can look back and I can see, like it really, really affected me. Like I, it kind of stopped me. Throughout my entire career, man, I've always wanted to be the best. I've strived to be there, and I've been very lucky. Like I, I made it through buds as an original. Like I never got rolled. Luckily, I didn't get injured. I went to Dev Group. Same thing. A lot of guys didn't make it. I made it. Like I was, I was very blessed. But I also never dealt with a lot of adversity. I know it sounds weird because we go through buds, and that sucks, and you deal with that. But like pain and suffering, I can deal with. You know, you you get good at yeah, yeah. putting them down. I think maybe that's what unites us all is we're good at you know, pain and suffering. We we'll just tuck that away and keep trucking. But you know, fast forward, I kind of. myself in this bubble like I just I stopped I became an it's I I call it like a comfort zone except it wasn't very comfortable people wouldn't imagine it was comfortable but it was where I was comfortable and unfortunately I wasn't comfortable getting outside of there and I mean one of the things we do as team guys is is better ourselves constantly and I kind of stopped doing that I mean I was back home I mean I could think I could count on my old two hands, I could count on them.
3: Back when you had two hands? Back <laughs> like when I had two hands, I
1: could count on them, like the amount of days. Like I was sober probably, you know, like I would get off work and I would just drink. I was always, that was my coping method. And luckily I met my wife during this time, which, you know, she's a savior. It helped a little bit, but I still was just, I couldn't get out of it. You know, it's hard to talk about weakness and stuff like that in in this place I was. And obviously it's amazing that I stuck around that long, but it it got to the point that it just it affected my job and my performance. And, you know, kinda like I'm a big baseball fan, like Major League Baseball, they came to me and said, You ain't cutting it, you know, which is the reality. Yeah. We deal with people's lives and and I let I mean in my mind, you know, it was it was time for me to step back and step down and, and reorganize myself and that was a huge blow to me. For the first time was like real failure. You know, I feel like I have failed my teammates. I failed myself. I just never been in that part, and I didn't. I didn't know where to go. It's 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 a very humbling experience. Sure, and I've sure. been humbled, but not like that. There's no
3: bottom to that. You just keep falling. And keep there is. Falling, you're right. And keep falling. And
1: luckily, in this couple of weeks after when I'm getting ready to, you know, head back to the West Coast and get on with it. I, I my commanding officer at the time. Uh, was an awesome guy, and he pulled me into the office, and he kind of just gave me some words. He's like, "Dude, this isn't this isn't the end all, be all here, man. There's a there's a lot more to this life, and you need to make sure that you know you figure out what it is and square it away." And yeah. that was a big eye for me. And so I, it was a for me, it was a great transition. My wife was pregnant, you know, I was about to become a father. I got to I went back to the West Coast and took over over with the Air Cell, and that next kind of three years was. A huge growth period for me personally and as a leader and a person like i think it's growing up as a young guy a young ceo like i never wanted to train i never wanted to be a buds instructor i always had this thing oh, was yeah, just Like, either. you know you want to operate operate uh, yeah. operate and when i finally got put into this position to teach it kind of reignited that that old flame i had to keep bettering myself and not only better myself but pass down that knowledge and make these guys better there's something empowering about making other people better and lifting them
3: up. Yeah, that's the one great thing about our program, and I don't even know if they designed it like that when they developed it, but there's so many things throughout the program that are so beneficial. One of them is that. Yeah. I mean, the, the way new new warriors get their fire is getting trained by the old ones. Dude,
1: the mentorship program is hands down, you don't get any better than you do in the SEAL teams, I think. I I have been very blessed to have great, great mentors, platoon chiefs, team leaders. I mean, there are... I mean it really there's a point even after being you know a dev group for five years i still felt like i was nothing like because i looked around at the guys I, that were next to me and i'm like dude these are the guys i, I want to be like these guys too. But, like i'm not there yet you know i just, that's that's that place where we all should want to be but i found this it started this growth period for me it started growing and I, I like i said i went back to my wife put a boot in my ass finally to get back to school i've been talking about finishing up my degree for ages you know Kid, I'm a brand new father, which was awesome. That's the best thing of all time. Yeah, you got uh, to She's wonderful. I mean, she saved my life more than one time. But uh, during this period, I was back training with a really good friend of mine. And he had started a nonprofit called the Seal Future Fund, which is now the Seal Future Foundation. They changed their name. But he had taken it over. And the, the goal of this SFF was to help SEALs transition out of the military, whether that was to more education or finding a job on the outside. He had just gotten a great job offer back on the East Coast that he couldn't turn down. And so he came to me and said, you know, if I take this job, will you take over the SFF as a CEO? That was kind of a big, you know, we work in small teams. I, uh, being a leader, to me at that point, I was like, man, I'm good with 20, 30 guys, but now you're talking about taking some of the weight off the entire community. community. Wow. Like, like, that's a scary thought too, to like let guys down that way. And, but I talked about it, talked with the family, talked about it with him, and just, and we agreed that I would do it. So got permission from the, you know, I had to get permission from the West Coast, from the Commodore and everything to take on like a dual, dual job. I was still teaching skydiving, but luckily with the class schedule, I had a lot of downtime for school and taking this over. And then on top of that, you know, I got into the Harvard program that morgan and i have been through that's an executive education program
3: through harvard business school harvard tie and that's been, right i got been, mine don't been, think been, i don't. yeah and the scarf <laughs> this, huh? yeah but, barely, uh, barely I, got out of high school quit college got into seal teams harvard grad yeah no essentially
1: deal. if you fast forward like that
3: yeah <laughs> that isn't big, that a dude. great way of looking at it i mean when my resume looks good when you say <laughs> it like that you're like hold on wait a minute so, i came from nowheresville virginia i barely got through high school i dropped out of college Community college. Community, community college. I dropped community college, and now I'm a Harvard graduate. Yeah, now okay. that you're a Harvard grad, you got to make the first part seem as miserable as possible. <laughs> and there's two ways to get that education through life, right? You spend most of it in the because look at the first forty years is just your education. A lot of people spend it in the building, and then when you walk in and say, "Hey, that diploma," when you look at that, it's supposed to tell you how smart that person is, right? Yeah, that's what that that's their their trident, if you will. Man, you can do it the way we did it. Just go out there and your resume is on your body, your scars, and and it tells your story. And then at the end of that, you sit down in that building and see how much you learn throughout life and how many of them things you can stack up. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Totally. It's funny because we talk about the school thing and, you know, being a SEAL, but I'll be honest, one of my biggest fears through the teams was going back to school. I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't do any college. I remember being in that classroom a little bit and, I had talked about taking classes, like after my first platoon. I was like, "Oh man, free you know, free education. I get in some classes." And I don't know this fear of like being back in a classroom with kids that were younger than me and in my head smarter than me. Like I don't know. I just thought about like math and doing fractions. It's <laughs> just stupid shit. But I mean, that fear
3: kept you from doing it.
1: Disabled me yeah. in a sense, and I just I I always found an excuse to to skip it. Mm. Volu- I'd volunteer. I'd rather you know. I'd rather be deployed overseas. I'd volunteer for deployment. I'd, take a school take training and i the excuse was always well i'm doing this i don't have time for that like this is my focus like the seal teams are my focus like school will come in and in the beginning of course i thought i'd just do it forever yeah of course and you're like what do i need school for just do it forever but you know if that's one piece of advice i could give the younger guys it's like man get use, use what you got while you're in and get uh-huh. an education man and like you'll regret it if you don't
3: well in the program that we were in man youth is your tool when you can't do it on the back end. Yeah. That's why it's designed that way. So if you, if you decide to go that route, that military route and people talking about free college and literally if you, everything that we're, we're sitting in and everything that we've accomplished is because we threw that uniform on and then it just one door led to another. And it started with just the regular education, like 3M or, you know, just yeah. something, uh, load planner. Yeah. Whatever schools they would throw at you. And that's literally sitting in the classroom and doing the school deal. And, it, and, and, by doing that, it teaches you how to go sit in in the regular classroom.
1: You know, at this point, I'm I'm training skydivers, I'm running a nonprofit, and I'm I'm in school. When the Harvard, I mean, I was starting to find my balance in there, and then a couple more things got thrown on. But I I was passionate about all of them, and I wanted to get my education. So when the Harvard thing came up, it was I was like, oh, Am I actually accepted to this program? <laughs> Did they look at my Y'all past school records? But <laughs> Uh, well, shout out to that program, like and, A-A-Rod, and Lisa right? Hughes. Amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, Lisa's amazing. Lisa, we love you. I mean, she is a game changer over there. She's a patriot, loves our guys, knows what we're to that table. That that whole program does. Um, so I end up getting to that program, put the undergrad on a, on a hold, and started doing the Harvard route, which was an amazing
3: life-changing life-changing education yeah. well, extra fun, huh?
1: extra life-changing for me obviously because as we were talking about in the beginning that's where smack dab in the middle of that program um is when i got in an accident
3: yeah let's hear about that let's hear about greatest that. greatest story
1: ever uh yeah so
3: geez i guess that story starts off paint and, the picture and the mood then should we put some yeah music i mean uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know
1: what kind of music you draw use. the
3: curtains i mean it'd
1: be hard because it's kind of it's comical but Every year after Thanksgiving, I'd go out to a ranch out here in Texas uh, with a couple of guys, a couple of teammates that were out now. And we'd do some sniper work with guys just for fun. End up becoming a bunch of good friends of ours. So uh, I think this was like the third year. Come out to do it. It was a Tuesday morning. I think it was the 28th. Uh, We're getting up in the morning. Feeders go off or whatever. You know, these guys are just sitting in stands and shooting. I'm getting up and I'm driving down to the bunkhouse where all our gear was just to grab my stuff and come back up. Yeah, I mean I, I think I was about a it's about, I don't know I don't know the story kind of changes I think I was about a mile away but I was in a in a curve and ended up losing control and just rolling that as a side by side I mean I wouldn't haul an ass but obviously speed was a little bit of a factor but I was just trying to get down there and I was in a curve gravel path thin path too so like I couldn't counter and drive off the path I would have crashed into a tree so I just once that ass end started to lose traction, I just started pumping the brakes and trying to lean in. And you know you know that point in your head because you could feel it in your equilibrium when that back That's, tire just dug in and yeah. it just hit that point. And I said, I'm going over. And obviously, I, it's a new vehicle. I didn't know where the – no door, you know, and I didn't know where the handles were. But I just gripped that steering wheel as tight as I could. And When it hit on its side, it jarred me to the ground. But I had – I mean, I just had a little scratch on my forehead, scratch on my ankle. But essentially, as I slid a couple feet, I was doing like a side plank to keep my face from just getting destroyed. So I had my weight on my forearm, and I saw my arm snap. Like, I'm looking down at my—obviously, adrenaline's pumping. But I'm, I see my wrist and my elbow get closer together. And I'm like, shit, I just broke my arm. So I <laughs> awesome. stopped. Well, I stopped, and, you know, you do a quick mental checklist. And I'm like, Woo! Like, broken arm, that's fine. I've broken my arm before. Like, this is easy. Like And I, I just stood up. And when I stood up, I mean, my hand— it was still attached, but only because of like piece of skin, my, the skin on the top that hadn't got eroded away. Right. I mean, flesh and bone were gone, and my hand was hanging like a fishing pole. Oh god! And I mean, Honestly. blood everywhere at this point, and I'm looking, and I, I mean, I remember yelling to myself. I was like out loud. I was just like, "Fuck!" Like it wasn't that connection hadn't hit yet. Like in my head, I was okay. Yeah. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "This is a game changer." <laughs> 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 That's like, awesome, uh, dude. This isn't like I'm just gonna limp back. Up <laughs> oh, know, like, yeah, shit's no, shit's gotta wrong, happen. But Life
3: has changed. Yeah. It on it. I mean, right you now. know,
1: fucking Murphy's Law. You know, if it yeah. can't happen, it will happen at the worst possible time for us. So, you know, I'm by myself. My phone has been flung out of the vehicle. I mean, I mean, I knew where it was, thank God. But
3: you probably know we're there. Luckily,
1: shout out to my brother Hannifah Jones, Charo. He gave me this Jack Daniels belt years ago. This soft leather belt. It's kind of a weird story there. If if I back up the day I was leaving for that trip, had all my stuff packed, my wife and daughter at home. I've already got the Uber. The Uber's like parked outside. And I'm like, my belt was on the banister of our stairs like the night before. And I go to grab it and it's not there. And I'm like, Mindy, I'm like, where's my belt? Because I know she gets in these cleaning modes. The world, the tornado comes through. And of course, she doesn't even know where she puts stuff. She cleans so much. And so I'm like, where's the belt? And she's like, I don't know, just get another belt. And it, like, for some reason, whatever, the Almighty was looking out for me. Like, I kind of got angry. I was like, where's my effing belt? You know, I'm like, I need that belt. She's like, why? I'm like, because I love it. You know, just get it for me. So luckily, she found it. I put that belt on out the door. Fast forward to this point, I'm wearing this belt, thank God, because I'm telling you, the other belts I had, stiff leather, they would not have worked. This was like a soft leather belt. This was meant to happen. Man, I just it, in a split second. Luckily, my mind went to like survival mode.
3: Cor- the Corman in you.
1: The Corman in me, man. I whipped this fucking belt off, and I'm with my mouth. You know, I loop it through, and I have to dangle my hand. <laughs> you know, remember, oh. that little fish, remember
2: that old
3: fishing? Remember that old fishing game? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Fishing pole, and the, oh, and the yeah. fish
1: are I coming out of those, you know? my garage. The Trust kids. me, man. It took me a couple of tries uh, to get that. How, get how
3: that bad hand was I hurting in by now? Or, or no, was
1: it? I mean I'm telling you, no pain whatsoever. I mean, because I am mean, getting like I knew, I knew the situation I was in like fully i knew that i'm do something or i'm not gonna make it so i get my hand in there i whip this thing up i pull this thing as tight as i can and of course the first thing i do is like start running and i i don't know about 10 yards before i said Hang "Hold on, on. bad um, idea because i'm like I, don't, I can't tell i mean obviously blood's still dripping everywhere i can't tell i mean I, i'm hoping i stopped the bleeding as, i stopped as best i could but there's still blood so I end up having to like do an extra wrap and bite this thing. Like I put this belt in my mouth to bite it and keep it tight. And then I have to pick my hand up with my other hand because my uh-huh. hand is swinging like a freaking, so I'm like holding my hand, which is a weird feeling. <laughs> I'm like holding <laughs> hey. the kind of almost detached hand. But I ended up just being like in my mind, I knew it was just like kind of tunnel vision, but I was like move with a purpose and get back to the house where the guys are at. You know, I had to get back up there. So like I said, for me, I think it's about a mile. It's like a William Wallace story. It always grows. I've heard two miles, like 10 miles, whatever. But I think it was about a mile. 200 miles. Ran a marathon. But uh, I get back to the house, and the funny part was this this ranch house was so freaking nice. Sliding doors everywhere, and they were kind of cracked, and guys are up. And I kicked this door with my feet. I didn't even go in the house. I think I didn't want to dirty the house up because I'm like bloody. That was polite. They, the guys are looking at me, and I just go, you know, call 911. And they're like, what? And I'm like, fucking call 911. And I could see their faces when they finally put the you whole picture together. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they just start running to me. And I just kind of went down to the ground. Like I laid down in this mulch and shit. And they came out. And luckily, they were great. I talked to like We had med kits out there. And so I was like, hey. First thing I did was talk them into putting like another tourniquet on my arm, like an actual cat tourniquet. Mm. First pain I felt. He's putting that cat tourniquet on, and there was a guy out there that worked the ranch who was, I mean, he had to be 300 pounds. This, I mean, he's like 6'6", 300 pounds. He put in, they were like, grab that belt and don't let him bleed out. Yeah. He put a knee on my shoulder, and he pulled that belt so freaking tight, man, that, I mean, that was that was the first pain I felt. Oh. But they've had blankets on me, and then uh, I my memory blanks out as soon as the ambulance showed up, which was about 30 minutes. So I remember them calling 911. I remember hearing it's 30 minutes for the ambulance. People talk about life flight. It was, you know, 5 6 in the morning. It's too foggy for life flight. Yeah. It was one of those mornings. So, ambulance picks me up. I sort of go out. I think my adrenaline was dumping at that point. Although, there's a sheriff's deputy that we keep in touch with. She was one of the first responders and she was on the ambulance with me initially. And she said, I turned into like a crazy man. Like, they had IVs of me and I'm ripping shit out. And I'm like, I think I was just freaking out. Like, everything dumped and I was just yeah. shock was setting in. But they had. Everybody holding me down, and they finally got into town. The life flight nurses, the trauma nurses, swapped them out, and then we continued on to San Antonio. At some point in there, you know, I think I started to go. They got me to the hospital, and, of course, my next memory from the ambulance is waking up in the hospital. And I'm waking up, coming to, obviously, they've already done
3: the amputation. So they have. You pretty much took care of that, right? They just had to clean her up. (laughs) They just
1: just snip it up and clean it up. Really, they did, and thank God they actually did an awesome job. So talking to my surgeon later, uh, a lot was dependent on how clean that wound was because it was up close to the elbow. And luckily, that doc—I don't know the main doc's name—but funny part of the story is when I'm waking up, one of the other doctors, a younger guy, was there talking to me, and this guy's name is Doctor Hand. so thank you dr uh, hand thank but you I, god even mindy gotta laugh at that one We're yeah, like is this guy serious <laughs> like really you're the one talking to me and he's going through this story of you know we had to amputate yada 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 and then, so my wife is there and then two old seal buddies of mine and in this story this is where it gets good right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah in this story no, as no. he's telling him i don't even remember who my wife one of the guys is like hey doc you know where's his hand where is his hand and I don't even remember the response because I'm kind of drugged up, but I, I'm essentially, he's like, well, it's probably going down to get destroyed
3: yeah, down the morgue.
1: And it's like, can we have it? And the, do- I, remember, I mean, I can kind of remember the doctor's face. He's kind of like, what? And we're like, yeah, can we have the hand? And so now I'm just like, yeah, can I keep it? And he's like, I don't know guys. He's like, it would have to be like a religious reason. And, of course, we're like... Done. Bingo. <laughs> I said, we got to bury that thing. It's, it's That's a piece it's of it. Of this is, mm, this I, is where I'll it has be, to go. I have this religious belief that <laughs> if I don't bury it... It's a religion you don't know the name of. It won't find me in the afterlife. Me, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need this. I have to get buried with this thing This day. is where the story so, really gets good.
1: So, anyway, he's like, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask. I don't, you know. So, he comes back a couple hours later, and he's like, hey, you can pick the hand up tomorrow. So... <laughs> That night, we're over getting swapped over to the military hospital at Bamsey and you know, stay there. The next day, two of my buddies, well, one, well, at least my one buddy that I know of, they go back to. I mean, this guy he's no relation to me, doesn't share a name with me, whatever. Uh, (laughs) But goes back, and they just hand off this, hand it off. They just hand hand off my hand. hand. Allow myself to introduce myself Myself to Um, my hand. They hand off the hand to my buddy, and so. You know, everybody at this point, like more seals have flown in. Good buddies of mine, everybody's flying in to make sure I'm okay, and uh, so they're like, "Well, what do we do with the hand?" They're all staying like a, a Spring Hill Suites Marriott or something like that, you know? yeah. So they stick it in the freezer. It's a natural <laughs> yeah, course. Are you know? at the hotel
3: room, in those, yeah, yeah, in the hotel me, room. Yeah, me, so me there's me.
1: a bunch of guys in the hotel. That this guy
3: puts in the freezer. This goes. This is where you can't make this stuff. Comes up.
1: back to the hospital, and so this this goes on. I mean, the hospital was great. I mean, I know talking about never quit story you know you think like losing this hand it's devastating the chance to ever really feel bad about the hand never came up right. you know like i mean it's funny because i mean you've you guys you guys visited and you saw the staff i spent about two weeks in like this four west and that staff there's amazing and yeah. they freaking loved us right. i mean we had a party going on they finally gave me my own room because they're like there's too many people here you're bothering everybody else no, yeah. no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, like the hand jokes were flying. Right, right. I mean, there's just. I think even the nurses were just like, they're like, I don't think this is how you're supposed to talk to people who just got injured. Yes, you know? it is. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no other way to do it in um, our community because you just. I mean, everything's comical, but it's also. I'm like the first thing I did was like, hey, I'm alive. You know, I get to go home and I get to see my wife. I get to see my daughter. I I get, I carry on no matter what, and so originally they were telling me, hey. I had more bone than I had skin and muscle to cover it up. So they, I had this wound back on for weeks and they said, you know, every, every doctor I talked to was like, Hey, you're probably going to lose your elbow. We can't cover it up. You're probably going to lose it. And of course the mindset at that point is just like, dude, whatever. Like, let's get this thing over with. Like, I don't, I didn't know any better at the time of being an amputee, but I'm like, I'm alive. Let's just, I want to get out of the hospital. Let's just do this thing. So when the surgeon, uh, my surgeon came in I mean he's still active I don't want to use his name but best surgeon in the world he came in and he was like hey I'm gonna MacGyver this shit and I'm gonna save your elbow I'm like fantastic
3: I like this attitude
1: yeah so we did a couple more surgeries to make sure everything was cleaned up obviously parallel to this is the guys the hand is still in the freezer in the freezer during the day, the guys are all at the hospital. During the day, we're all coking and joking, having a great time. At night, these guys are going back, and I'm getting pictures with. It. Oh Dudes yeah, are,
3: it's a party with the hand. It's yeah, a party yeah. here. People, I, guys are, them, dude. Guys selfies are with popping, the
1: hand. taking selfies. <laughs> People are shaking my hand, making videos with, with the hand. It. Yeah. With
3: the, the, I have pictures
0: on which my phone. is funny
1: because honestly, when you look at it, I got, it's kind of gnarly. It's just it Real gnarly. Oh yeah. I mean, it looks like a prop, but it's just like the skin is all wrinkled, yeah, yeah. it's just like it's like it's it's dying, you know. And you're like. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, it's, got, it's think... like it's wearing a glove that's too big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell, tell, the, tell the best part.
1: So, yeah. Well, so anyway, yeah. Um, it's probably been like a week and one of my buddies has to leave and the hand is in his freezer for whatever reason. And so he goes to the front desk and he's like, hey, can I get a key, you know, a room key to this other room? I have some money to put in there. And they're like, well, no, but here, give it to us and we'll put it in there for you. And he's like, uh oh, Probably not no, a good idea. Not. So I guess, I don't know if it was like the weird reaction to it. Yeah. Like him just walking away and whatever else that evening, uh, the hand stayed in that freezer because somebody else is going to use the room. But the maid or the manager, somebody goes <laughs> the in there, the maid, mind, maid, The maid finds the hand.
3: Clean out the freezer. <laughs> That's the greatest story. There's
1: a human hand <laughs> in the, 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 the freezer. <laughs>
3: damn hand in there?
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> that poor lady I'm sure this is not what is in the job description of like cleaning out body parts <laughs> you look on her face like what is that I wish I could see it I wish I could have been flying the wall but um, obviously they call the police it's oh, yeah. a natural thing to do there's a body part there's a, body, there's part a body part in my freezer and, this, and the guy who had the room is kind of a, like a strangely acting fellow all right. my bad so the police show up there and they like, it's funny because the hotel the hotel like knew we were all there for whatever reason they call the hospital and the hospital staff is like hey hotel like you gotta go back the police are there so the two two of my buddies are like the guy with the hand the other guy that knows about the hand like they end up going back there and i I don't know 30 45 minutes later i had a telephone in my room next to my bed you know like to the outside world And all of a sudden it rings i'm like hello it's like hey this is detective so-and-so you know and I'm like, hey, detective. Are you, you missing know? a hand? <laughs> well, you didn't even ask me. I just jumped into it because I'm like, I don't know if these guys are, like, getting headed up, arrested. I'm like, hey, detective. Like, hey, my name's Aaron Kennell. You know, like, this is, that's my hand. Here's the story. <laughs> I got a hand. I'm missing my foot. Where, where the hell did they get that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a foot there? I should have
3: asked for yeah, my yeah, body yeah. parts. No, no, I got them all good, man. Yeah,
1: hindsight being in I should have missed a little bit more. But I was just trying to make sure guys, like, weren't in trouble, so... Uh, I said, those are, my, I gave my buddies names. So those are my buddies. I don't know. You can come test me, whatever. Those are my fingerprints. <laughs> 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 They're still there. I don't I'm sure you can take DNA. But uh, I mean, he was like, hey, it's all good. We we just needed to make sure this wasn't a homicide, you know?
3: <laughs> so it's
1: all good. So at that point, obviously, now it's weird that there's a body part in the hotel. And so it, the, the qu- next question is like, well, what do we do with it now? It can't stay here. So the next Logical answer became well. Let's take it to a taxidermist. taxidermist <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh, obviously out back out towards Kerrville, where all we did all the hunting and
3: yeah, we got plenty of taxidermists and plenty of taxidermists yeah. and
1: guys that the guys knew. So they bring it back there, and uh, I wish I knew who they would. I would give them a shout out. They did an awesome job, um, and I think they put it to the front of the line, being as they were like, "Hey, we don't get to work on human, human stuff, human so hands. We don't get to do all human stuff." I wonder where he was so, just
3: like looking at that thing, going, hmm.
1: I think they were excited for it, but uh, either way, so hand goes to the taxidermist, and they asked me, like, what do you want? And so the initial plan that I wanted- Shoulder
3: mount. Well, a the initial past, plan I past wanted past was, was to, uh, obviously, <laughs>
1: like, I'm a big wine drinker. I, I consider myself like a, an aficionado a little bit, but I wanted to make it like a, I don't know, it's hard to see, but like a skeleton hand doing like the Spock thing. Where I could hold a wine glass, with like a stem. <laughs> you know. So if I was at a party, I could bring this hand and hold mine and <laughs> my hand. Yeah. My yeah. hand. Uh, I quickly realized that they couldn't do it because they have to drill through, put wire. It becomes very brittle. Like it's not, uh, it's yeah. not weight bearing at all. So I finally got it back in January of this year. It's in a beautiful, like, I could describe it as like the Beauty and the Beast, like Forever Rose. They have, exactly. You know, like, yeah. like they, Snow glowed. They, they got it like in a nice rock there that they chiseled my bones. You can see right where the bone snapped. You know, it's still all there. My hand's there. It's,
3: and then it's just. I can vouch for that. I've had the hand in my hand.
1: Yeah. I don't think they knew exactly what it would be used for because obviously now it's this Obviously, my wife doesn't let me keep it out in public. It's in our closet. It's in our closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. But
1: when people come over and kids, my daughter loves it.
3: It's a great conversational. Piece. It's a great
1: conversation piece. So people come over and I bust it out and like I chase kids around with it and play tag and <laughs> it's gotten cotton hair and all sorts of stuff. where I think I need to take it back because like the glue in between all the bones... There's a lot of bones in your hand. <laughs> the glue yeah. in there is like starting to come apart. Like at some point, I feel like this hand's gonna start to fall apart. So. I'm gonna need to It's gonna be an
3: heirloom forever. Yeah, for Halloween, you just put on like the trench coat. Remember, was it Zoolander? He the guy yeah, David yeah, yeah. Cobb, put, had a hand in, it in there. there. Got him a hand model. But I suppose uh, for Halloween. You
1: know, I'm looking at stuff if you know, obviously there's a lot in there where people I remember when I started to go to rehab at the CFI, which is the best facility in, in the country. You know, it's they have the best staff, the best people. I couldn't ask to be in a better place. In fact, one of the doctors said it to me one of the mornings when they came in super early. 'Cause I'm a navy guy and the doctor goes, You you stationed here? I said, No. He's like, What are you doing here? I said, I got in the accident here. And he looked dead at me and he goes, You picked a good place to get in an accident. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And so I end up my command let me stay out here to rehab. Just fantastic. But I remember my surgeon and a couple other people were like, Man, I, I can't wait for you to get over to the CFI because there are people that accidents happen to and their their attitude, you know, like they just they feel like they're in despair, like this this thing happened to them and it affects them luckily you know looking back on my life and all the downside to it was perspective you know like Mm. like i said my perspective was a i'm alive and my plan is to get back as best as i can be you know i tell people like i had a plan a my plan a was to live my life with two hands man Mm -hmm. like i love that left hand we've been through a lot of shit together (laughs) right but literally plan, plan a is no longer possible so you can sit there and you can you can dwell on how great plan A would have been. It would have been great. Trust me. I have great plans, but you know, now it's time to move on to plan B. I didn't have a plan B, but I created one. Mm -hmm. And if plan B doesn't work, I'm going to create a plan C, but you know, I, I went in there every day with the attitude of making myself better. And there's great people over there, but they were excited for my attitude to come over there and hopefully become infectious and, and work hard and get back like this, this accident doesn't define me. You know, in fact, I, people, all the time like oh man how is it i'm like well it ain't that bad i mean i can do pretty much everything. i'm sure there's gonna be obstacles in life that are gonna yeah, come this is just part of it just there's obstacles with two hands that are gonna come but mm. there's just ways now my way is just figuring out how to do it as best i can i always joke because people go where's your prosthetic i mean i've had a prosthetic for fuck a year and a half mm. i remember going in to see my prosthetist at the cfi and mm. he was like hey have you been using your hand what's it called <laughs> prosthetist oh,
3: yeah. yeah good <laughs> Good articulation. Not to be, I not to he be confused. Well, he does do hand jobs, though.
1: He does do hand jobs.
3: But uh, he was I remember I, I'm hadn't just seen saying. Him,
1: I hadn't seen him in like six months, and he's like, hey, you've been wearing the prosthetic? And I was like, don't you have the prosthetic? He was like, oh, boy. He's like, so you haven't worn it one time, have you? I'm like, well, I haven't. But it's only because I've just figured out ways around it, and it becomes more of a pain to get it on and try to do it than just doing it. You and get so. it around great. Well, I appreciate. That, I mean, you know? I hadn't even seen
3: anything you can't do. Yeah, you know? that's the best part about having a team, guys. Man, when, of when cut uh, your stake when we do get injured, it's just like the the overall mentality is. But first, like, hey man, you can put something on there and make me even faster, stronger, kind of turn me into a cyborg. Yeah, but I mean, we got a couple buddies that had, that went to college with one guy. Was is it Trey Wood? Trey. God dang that guy. He could. He like he you. Played, I mean, that's he, where, he wouldn't even know he didn't have. Football, baseball. Hours. He would bench over three hundred pounds. Yeah. I woke up this morning and Kendall was outside in the in the in the barn, rowing. Yeah. And then doing planks. Yeah, I don't do that, and I'm. Yeah, man, complete. it's uh, it's something, brother.
1: Yeah, my wife told me it's time to lose some weight, so I had to get out there.
3: No, just kidding. But uh, I mean, and a shout out to my wife and
1: my daughter. You know, they've they've been behind me and and that's one of the biggest things too is when i get out of that hospital i mean they're like don't move your arm i got staples in i mean my daughter doesn't realize that i'm injured you know when i walk in that door it's it's dad time again right and and that was a i mean there's no more motivating factor than that right there to like be the father that you were want to be you know and the husband you want to be and so you know i came back every time i'd see him in rehab i'd be like i'm lifting my arm over my head and they're like whoa whoa and i'm like trust me i'm not going to injure myself i know the difference there but I'm going to push myself every day to get back to normal. Like, I know that you have a timeline, but I have a timeline too. And I know that I can do better than what you're telling me. But, man, just being being in that place every day. I mean, forget the SEALs. There was a civilian lady in there that she had to be on here. She was like a sheriff's deputy. And she woke up one morning in writhing pain. And they called an ambulance. And when she woke up at the hospital, they amputated all four of her limbs. She had some virus that was killing her. And she, they amputated all four. And I see her there every day at rehab.
3: Above and below joints? or uh,
1: I think mostly below, but I don't, don't quote me on that. But she's getting prosthetics, but I've seen her in a chair with her, with her dog. And she is at that rehab center every freaking day, man. And I'm just like.
3: Now we need to get her on the show.
1: Dude, I'm telling you. I mean, that's the kind of, you look at that and you're like, I always make the analogy. You've seen, uh, what is it, half-baked? Yeah. You know, and Bob Saget's, he goes to AA and uh whatever. And he's talking about smoking weed and being addicted to weed. And Bob Saget's stands up and he's like, I don't want to know. You know he's like, you ever sucked yeah, it for yeah, coke? Yeah. You know? uh-huh. He's like, that's not a joke. Like, that's kind of how I, like when people ask me like, oh man, it's so terrible. I'm like, dude, it's the hand. Like I've run marathons with these guys. I did a marathon with a bunch of other amputees and, you know, these guys are like, F you, Kendall. He's got two legs. Forget about this guy. Like you know, <laughs> right? it's it's not it's not a thing. That's why you know my my mindset is just it's not there. I mean, it's not there. But I mean, it's just everything is normal. And I just every day is just make it better than it was before. And sure. That's honestly, awesome. it's a challenge now. I try to outperform people. You know, it's it's fun to do stuff and people are like, oh shit, you
3: know, where's your hands? Like oh, fuck. anybody can do that with two hands. Try to do one and a half. That's right. I had a buddy of mine here recently, the one of the Green Berets who pulled me off the uh, mountain. Yeah, he, he loves riding motorcycles, and he's a little bit older. But he was in a crash um, recently, and he, he got paralyzed from the waist down. And I went to see him the other day, uh, and um, with anything, and he was kind of down on himself. I was like, "Hey, man, let's just put this in perspective, all right?" And I was like, "You got a new set of wheels here. How much time you spend on that motorcycle? Then when you're at home, you're sitting down." I was like, "Man, now you got permanent wheels. You love <laughs> to ride, anyways, man. You soup this thing up. There's not, and then the, the in between stuff." Man, that just draws you close to your family, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's okay to. A lot of times with guys like us, it's that pride that we're not, we can't fulfill our our duties. But man, that's just you doing thinking about that. Just
1: yeah, I mean, life's funny that way, man. I mean, I like we we joked before we started this. You know, obviously I live in Texas here now, and and I love it. But for years, you know, Morgan and you guys have been talking about hey, when you get out, come to Texas, and I was always yeah. like.
3: Negative. No, Texas ain't for me,
1: man. I'm <laughs> just not my <laughs> cup of tea. I didn't really want to. And two months after being here, my wife and I—my wife's just like, I love it here, and I'm like, I do too. People are great. Found some great friends. Everybody's close by, and you know, that was kind of the joke that we made earlier. It was like, well, what happened? I, you used to not want to live in Texas, and I was like, well, that was two handed me.
3: <laughs> yeah, <one> two handed
1: <laughs> me didn't like Texas. Yeah. One handed uh-huh. me, and really enjoys being here in Texas. So. Well, well,
3: thank you so much for for coming out and doing and sharing your sharing your weekend with us, man. And, uh, oh, I, I mean, appreciate not, it. I love you like a brother. Yeah, never stop living, man. Every time you come in here, just damn joy. And we, I mean, just touching on some of the stuff in, with what we did today, man, just those never quit moments. It's, it's kind of funny that those don't really define us as what we are, man. It's It was the lead up to all of that. And that kind of that that was just one of the steps in it. And that goes, it's par for the course of anything you do, man. And just there's supposed to be some roadblocks, right? Or hurdles or... absolutely or whatever you want to call it. But if you, if you don't look at them like that as the barriers, as the, the, the problem is just as it's just something that we have to get through. Uh, it's like, an if the, if life is an obstacle course, the obstacles are set in it. Right. Yeah. And you just, and
1: I mean, we talked about it earlier, I always tell people like, if you look at my resume, man, it looks really good. But what you don't see is in between every one of those great bullets is a bunch of failure, <laughs> bunch. a bunch of hardship, you know, and it's obstacle after obstacle, but you know, the difference is those aren't my bullets. Those obstacles and those failures aren't my defining moments. It's everything that comes after that that you grow from.
3: Sure. That's what makes you into all that. Is that, or, are those moments. All right, Aaron, thanks again
2: for being on the show today. Do you have anything you'd like to plug?
1: Uh, yeah, just one thing. Um, if people are looking out, uh, I started a business with a buddy of mine, do some consulting after the Harvard gig. Figured I'd take kind of all the lessons we've learned and from the community and personal life and hope to better people so we do uh, some consulting out of Elite Team Performance so you can find us at com. yeah and it it, I
3: can I can speak to it. it it's great to have Kendall up in front of a crowd going through what he'd been through and his his attitude's infectious
2: so you you got to, on, are you on social media as well?
3: yeah I am I don't it's just
2: something yeah I mean I don't really care about that <laughs> that's
3: how they're gonna find you
1: do I need to change my name on social media? <laughs> <laughs> I should probably get a more professional name if I'm going to... What is it now? Red Manda 252.
3: Red Manda 252.
1: There you go, Red Manda 252. Not that I'm that interesting on social media, but there you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you, guys.
3: Aaron, brother, thanks for coming on here and doing that, man. I uh, I thoroughly enjoy our. Our times together when we get to hang out and then um, sitting back and, and listening to you tell the story to all our listeners out there, man. It, it still brings as, as much happiness and, and humor to me as the day you uh, you told some of those stories to me the, for the first time. So uh, thank you again for being who you are and uh, being a good teammate, man. We love you. Kendall's one of those guys you just need to have in your life because his attitude's infectious. Man, he's such a positive guy. Since day one, God, when man. I went out when we went out to San Antonio to see him, he's just laying in the hospital bed. He just had a positive pause and he's like, yeah, hey, no big deal. You know what happens. So you had not seen his face. He has. He's got. I'm sure you have friends out there. and know somebody who does. He's got that. He has a smirk that he gets. Man, and it's just kind of infectious. Even in the bad times, he's like, when things are going real bad, he'll get that that grin. He's like, man, can you believe this is what What the hell's going on here? And that, and it does, man. When a lot of people look at our humor and call it dark, but you know our our life and everything that we're trained in is, is kind of in that realm. So our our humor has to. I, I've never seen him in a bad mood. Yeah. Of Course, obviously, everybody has that and he keeps it, but when he's in and around folks, it's just and he, his laugh when he clacks that laugh off. Yeah, he's and he, you know, he can't, and nobody can beat him up and make fun of him more than he makes fun of himself. I guess that's one of his gifts. It's, um, it, it's, it's again, when I got up this morning, he was outside rowing with one hand, and then he gets off the rowing machine and starts doing planks and push ups on that nub. I'm sitting there in, the, in my chair outside with the kids, what drinking coffee, I'm like. I'm such a lazy bastard. <laughs> Saturday. He's a prime example to, to tell yourself and to show yourself, man, that just never stop, never get down. I mean, a bad time isn't something that you have to take every day. It's just something that you had to take at that moment. You, you Take the lessons learned from it and push forward, man. Never quit. Thank you guys for bringing us back and uh, never giving up on us. We can't thank y'all enough, man. sure hope you guys enjoy listening to what we, uh, us and everybody that's on the show because we sure have a lot of fun doing it. Thank y'all. God bless.
2: If you want to be the first one to know when we drop new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we drop a new episode. And if today's episode
3: ignited a new fire in you, if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass, and your story could be the one thing that changes their life forever. So take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming podcasts.
0: If you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we like to keep our followers up to date with gear, sales, events, guests, and tons of other stuff you won't find anywhere else. If you aren't following us, you are missing out, so go check us out at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell and Morgan at Mojo Latrell, and me at Hunter013.